Well, hello, and welcome back to the Fear and Trembling podcast. Hey, Hi, fellas. Good day. Hello. It is good to be back with you. I'm Aaron. I'm the campus pastor at Watershed here at Heart of Life. To my right, I got to change things up. To my right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Darwin, and I'm the executive pastor here at Hardwick Ministries. I'm JB, campus pastor, Fusion. Bill Lidner, campus pastor with Celebration. Awesome. Well, yeah. we got a good conversation today. Uh, we have a classic, and I'm going to toss it over to you, JB. You're the one who uh, brought this picked, to us. Picked this so one, it's yeah. on you today. Damn. <laughs> well, as if you've been following along, one of the things we did was every one of us kind of picks a book that... Uh, held some meaning and was significant for us. And uh, of all the books that I've read, all like six of them, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you're normal. I mean, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, careful, exactly. careful. But uh, the, the one that just kind of came to mind was, was C.S. Lewis's uh, Mere Christianity. And um, I, think, I think for me, partly because I, I read this when I was in, in high school, I was looking at, at uh, Pastor Bill's copy and I, I read that same edition it was my dad's uh, version, and uh, I read it in high school, and I, I think it was kind of the, the gateway into theology for me, and I uh, suddenly got super excited about, about theology and, uh, and, and learning about um, God and, and all that kind of stuff. So I picked this one and uh, excited to, to kind of—it was exciting to read it again sure. uh, with new eyes and new context uh, personally. Um, but just a little background, I, I thought that would be helpful. Because um, I didn't realize this, but uh, Mere Christianity was originally published 1952 by C.S. Lewis, so it's an older book, and it was uh, adapted from a series of BBC radio talks made during World War II. That's such an interesting yeah. part of the context here, isn't it? I did not know that when yeah. I read it in yeah. high school, but uh, um, but that's pretty fascinating. Anyway, um, so kind of the first first kind of question to throw out there. Um, I think for all of us, this wasn't our first reading, and uh, what what landed differently as you as you read it again, or kind of maybe skimmed it again? What 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 kind of stood out to you guys? Well, for me, I first read it as a college student, and I was trying to think rationally, frankly, in that context, almost defensively about mm. authentic Christian faith. Now I'm much more plugged in as a pastor to people's lives and the challenges of life with that sort of thing. And I was very refreshed in that this is a book I would give to anybody, not just a student or not somebody. It's a great entrance to theology, but he has such great illustrations and just so wonderfully thought out that it's it's good to read. I would mm-hmm. hand it to anybody and say, read it slowly. You don't want to read the whole thing at, you know, a quick setting, but Read and ponder. Read five mm. minutes and then think about the point he made. Sure. So I'd give it to anybody yeah. in a way that I never would have thought about it when I first encountered. I think one of the interesting things for me was how in the 40s when he's doing this as a you know radio broadcast, you know, the early podcasts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Good point. Um, you know, he's, he's touching on where culture has come on the – on what seemingly was the front end of it in a way, Mm -hmm. right? So as he talks about more of that sort of you-do-you nature of culture and emotional thinking, right, all of those things get addressed 
um, in here, um, the sexuality and culture. Yeah. Um, he addresses, and it's in the 40s, right? And he's pointing to the roaring 20s sometimes yeah. for illustrations mm, that are yeah. very, very current. Right. I was at one point in time, I highlighted and said, this is the 40s when he's talking about, <laughs> um, he's talking about the neglect of the church to talk about sexuality. Mm. And I'm going, wow, wow, how, you know, and how it impacts and how actually, you know, but how did talking about it ever, did it really even change the, um, so I think for me, it was just this, um, that piece of going, wow, how, how has the conversation changed? Um, while it's the same conversation, what does it look like now, 2022 versus the 1940s? Um, so is that's what I meant by being fresh. Yeah, I mean, it it's would, relevant. It I mean, would be good to give to anybody yeah. today. It was great for me to read. I know for me, like yeah. the the shift was it, when I was in high school. Like everything, I wanted everything to make sense. You know, I didn't want I, I didn't want any mystery. I wanted all the answers, and so I'm like reading, like, oh my word, yeah, he's got an answer for everything. It's so smart. <laughs> right. It looks like me. It's all lining up. You know, is it <laughs> an echo chamber? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. And now, like 20 years later, I'm like, yeah, but there's, you know, the, I just embrace what I don't know more than I did back yeah. in high school. Yeah. You know, so I, I I read this back in the late 70s. Um, so it was a few years ago for the first time. Yeah, and um. And skimming through it again, I think what struck me um, about that time difference was that in the 70s and then in the 80s when I was in college, I would have given this to anybody and they would have been able to understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, What struck me is I'm not sure there's enough of a cultural understanding of Christianity and awareness to even make sense of some of the things that he's saying. Mm. Um, He assumes a basic understanding Mm. A really basic understanding of Christianity and something of the church and places and culture, and I don't know if that's those assumptions are shared anymore. That, yeah. That's P- particularly the the later thing. chapters. Particularly later chapters. Yeah, it would be just really. Um, I, I think people would kind of read it and go, "What is he even talking about?" I right. Don't, why? I don't, why this talk hmm. about? Because he ends up dealing yeah. with things like the Trinity, right, in helpful ways. They don't. Yeah, they just don't have the lenses, I yeah. think, to make sense of it. That's kind of what was what kind of struck me. But again, I, I think I'm I'm fighting this this cultural tension too, um, which I think is evident in the book. It's it's just much more pronounced now between this kind of rationalistic, logical, analytical approach to life. Which is how life ought to be. Um, <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Preach it <laughs> versus versus expressive individualism, where things are centered in the individual and it's much more driven by emotions and affections. Yeah, um, that I that the person, the individual, deems are appropriate or not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hints at that, but we've come. We've gone so a lot right. farther down yeah. that road. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that was another reflection for me of going, and in today's culture, this this could easily just okay, that's nice for you, yeah. And then <laughs> doesn't matter how how logical, how reasonable, how ordered, how you know, or even the fact that he was an atheist. The, At it, one point, right? Yeah. It would just be was, okay. That's nice okay. for you. That's cool. I'm glad it worked. And and it's like. Wow. Okay. Um, what do you do with that? 
Yeah. It's a different yeah. way to engage. And a, a few months ago, I started reading some other C.S. Lewis with a friend. We're kind of working through some things together. And what struck me immediately was how logical and step-by-step Lewis was. And it shows forth here in mere Christianity. And I don't know that a logical, well-thought-out argument carries the weight right. that it used to. That's that's the thing. It's almost, oh, logic. How could that apply to all of us? Here's what I think. It's well, a very different setting that way. That's yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's very true. Yeah. I mean, it's very much a part of who we who we are now as a culture. Yeah. It, it's not logical decisions and, and analytics. It's cherry-picking data so that it supports what I want it to support. Yeah. I, I build the image. I, yeah. You can – I'm guessing you can graduate from a good college in the United States now and have never taken a course in logic or had a, a chapter on logical fallacies. That teaches you to think rigorously like that, point to point to point. You can graduate from college without even having a course in philosophy anymore. Oh, well, okay. So, I mean, I think... <laughs> but I mean, we, know, but it, we know how to market. <laughs> right, right. But, but, it, but it, raises, it raises, again, it goes back to that kind of cultural assumptions yeah. that, that we have. And the fact that um, for many people, I'm not going to say all people, but for many people, the... The basis to make sense of all of this seems to be rather weak. Yeah. But I think if you're reading it as a Christian— Okay, as a Christian, yes. As a Christian, then it's like the logic, yep, the supports. Yeah. I think even today, I think that's where it could land. But but it, probably a bigger challenge would be for someone who doesn't assume yeah. some of these things or believe these things. Yeah, it would help ground a believer in yeah. very helpful that's ways, I, was, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't uh, know that you could say, oh, you're an unbeliever? Well, here, read this, and mm-hmm. by the end, you will be like me. Right. That we're, wouldn't we're, cross at all. Right, I think your your approach would have to be one of, if your friend um, who's not a believer is is going, hey, Listen, I'm interested in knowing more of what you believe right. yeah. and and just having good conversations around it. Yeah. And you're like, hey, you know what? Here's a really good um here here's a really good expression right. of that. Yeah. Um yeah. that would spark great conversation. Right. Um but yeah, I mean it's the I, I actually think his illustrations would spark more of the conversation than the actual content of the book. Oh, sure. I think that's fair enough. I I did not remember Lewis having such good illustrations. And that's why I think even a, a non-academically oriented person could read those illustrations and be drawn in. He was speaking to the population of England that was being bombed and losing children in war. Mm. Um, and he could speak to that and communicate to it. Right, because if you're not way. a philosophical theologian— in some ways, you how you can hang on in this book is go to the stories. Yeah, right. The pictures. Right? Keep moving to the stories. That yeah. would be my encouragement because mm-hmm. um, I think the four of us, let's be honest, right? Some of what we dwell in and play in is mm-hmm. philosophical, theological, you know, and we're, we're always trying to make it practical and down to earth as best we can. Um, but you know, my tendency to wrestle with this book is a lot easier than if I, my younger sister, now my older sister went and studied Lewis at Oxford. So, um, but she studied Oxford at, uh, studying him as an English major. So Mm. I'm interested actually in just pursuing some more conversations with her as a pastor and somebody who studied him from, 
the perspective, you know, of English. <laughs> so the other thing that I think is distinctive about this book is that he helps give good understanding, particularly towards the end of the book, of Christian doctrine, but it's not predicated on starting from the Scripture and then building from there. He's mm-hmm. not expositing Scripture in right. the way that we would do on a Sunday morning, but he he's getting there in thoughtful ways that I think are real helpful, too. So you don't have to start with this idea of the Scripture is authoritative, and so I'll believe this. He's just kind of very invitingly laying it out. Big theological concepts and yeah. ideas. And They're there, and it's all and creating very, these parallels. Very yeah, orthodox and, yeah. and understandable. And I think that's what I mean when I call him more of a philosopher, yeah. right? In that yeah, way, exactly. Is, it's a different approach at it um, and from it, and it's clear. I mean, it's yeah, and 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 reachable to all sorts of folks. And I do love some of his playfulness in oh, it, though, gosh. like of. Uh, um, for example, like he's like, if any of them, he, I know he was talking about uh, atonement theories. We read a book by Scott McKnight on <laughs> yeah. atonement theories, right? And he's like, yeah, if any of them don't appeal to you, leave it alone. Get on with the formula that does. And whatever you do, don't start quarreling with other people because they use a different formula than yours. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and he does that multiple times where he's like, hey, listen, let the main thing be the main thing and don't get mixed up. Right. Um, I wish that quote was read at my classes exams. Uh, <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> oh, so I thought, the, I thought the other interesting thing was too. Like he's starting several chapters where he's like, "And if if you haven't really thought about this, just just skip the chapter. <laughs> like just yeah. just don't read this chapter. Just move on." <laughs> but, uh, but I think I think part of it is is that, that when he originally did the radio broadcast and then the book came out, what he's it's not an evangelistic book. He's just inviting people to give serious consideration to Christianity. In other words, let's make sure that you actually understand. If you're right, make sure what you understand what Christianity is about, and then I want you to seriously consider this. But it doesn't seem to me that he ever writes in a way that says, "I am a hundred percent certain you're going to agree with me on all this." Yeah, he's not. Yeah. It's like he's not trying to convince anybody. No. He's just trying to lay out his his understanding, which which I actually think would work almost better, better. in radio than in written mm. form. Yeah, oh. the tone. Of, I think that tone of voice helps in yeah. that, right? Like in that invitation. Like I'd love to hear the radio broadcast. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that would be interesting. Probably have don't, a lot of static. Do you do you think that that <laughs> that that Bombs style? <laughs> Though works better today, right? It's got me thinking because you know, like, because yeah. the hard sell has kind of lost its flavor oh in our gosh. modern culture. Oh like, gosh, yes. Right? This, I don't know. It's just got me thinking now. All of a sudden, well, live on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's thinking on a Monday. Imagine. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I responded by just saying that my wife and I, on some recent road trips, um, listened to several podcasts all the way through, and. And found that they just – they engendered discussion and reflection mm. in ways different than reading does. Mm. Because there's the shared experiences of listening together in oh. community. There's a shared experience at the same time that we're listening to the same podcast and we can talk about it versus me um, sitting in the chair reading and her reading and then us coming together to discuss it. Um, 
And so in some ways, I think the the radio format of, of this would be very intriguing to think about how that impacted people. And, and then the follow-up for that isn't, hey, did you read Chapter 2 last night? But, hey, did you hear C.S. Lewis last right. night on the BBC? What would you think about what he mm-hmm. said? Well, I still think Jesus is a poached egg. But, um, you know, <laughs> um, you know, there's just something different about the media. Yeah. And I think you, I think you raise a, a question, I mean, a really good question. Like, we could write a blog mm-hmm. once a month on a book. And the only people that would read it would be the four of us and perhaps our wives <laughs> because they love us. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Kendra loves me, but she's not reading my blog. <laughs> But but there's something different about the medium of a podcast, the, yeah. the, the interaction, yeah. but the ability to listen to it as a community um, mm-hmm. and to talk about it in community is much easier than a book. Well, and I think there's even something to that around why this podcast is important, like right. for us too, is yeah. as much as it, it's we're not methodically just kind of we're we're living in community together, right? We work together, we'll even mm-hmm. play together. You know, I mean, where it's that shared life you know i was it got me thinking too of what happens when you listen together at the same time mm-hmm. in the same space right. is just a different experience um, right. than even the four of us reading and coming back yeah um, right. and we've been taught the group around the table has been talking a lot recently about posture in communication right. mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's the the radio the podcast that has it sets you off on a different posture right. with which to interact. And I think that's something that we're all finding uh, appealing and helpful. And I like, Darwin, when you say invitation, you know, he's he's inviting people to consider Christianity. Right. Like, I, hey, maybe you're not going to, but let me lay out for you what we believe. And it goes back to what we were talking right, right early on in the podcast, right? It, but that's a different posture, Right. Bill, as you're saying, yeah, right, I, to yeah. invite somebody in and go, I just want to lay forth uh, what we think is a, a logical, a rational, you know, because sometimes people think we're irrational as Christians, right? Sure. Um, that we're we're um, thinking too much with our head, not enough with our heart. You know, what is that? And I think he does a good job of actually engaging. Right. Um, what does this mean for us as human beings? Um, you know, at one at one point. He's when he's talking about sexuality, and he talks about uh, self righteousness um, in it. And uh, in in for uh, for folks, you know, if you haven't read the book from on mine, it's page eighty. I have the fifth printing in nineteen fifty four. So wow, <laughs> I like your book. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's falling apart, so it's kind of nice. But uh, he says, I finally, though, I have to. I've I've had to speak at some length about sex. I want to make it clear as possible I can that the center of Christian morality is not here. So that's even just a mm-hmm, ooh, sure. powerful. Um, but if anyone thinks that Christians uh, regard unchastity as a supreme vice, he's quite wrong. The sins of the flesh are bad, but they are the least bad of all the sins. All the worst pleasures are purely spiritual. The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, of bossing and patronizing and spoiling sport, of backbiting, the pleasures of power, of hatred. For there are two things inside of me competing with the human self, which I must try to become. They're the animal self and the diabolical self. <laughs> he says the, the diabolical self is the worst of the two. 
That's why a cold, self-righteous prig, not pig, prig. <laughs> it's a British. Right. It's a British thing. <laughs> who goes regularly, regularly to church may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute. But of course, it's better to be neither. <laughs> you know, like, right. uh, oh, yeah. you know, I read that and I'm like, oh, yeah, that posture. Again, yeah. the conversations around posture of how are we showing up? How are we having moral conversations in this world? Um, he just, wow, one paragraph. And, and as an Boom. invitation, don't you feel like you could say, well, no, not right now. And he would still... Oh, well, let's talk about something else. Right. Right. Yep. He he wouldn't walk out of the room. Right. So that invitation is is an honest one. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's isn't that a challenge though. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, because so often when we issue an invitation, we're we're on a trajectory and if someone doesn't stay on the trajectory with us and it's problematic. But really if 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 we're if offering an invitation and we're being hospitable, um, we don't get to define what being hospitable is. The person we've extended the invitation to, they define what's hospitable. Yep. And so like in any any conversation um, about faith or about any other areas of life, you, you go down a road, but if that, that road comes to an end, you just change the conversation. You don't end the conversation as a whole. You move to a different topic or a different subject. But I also yeah. think it's interesting, too, in like reading Mere Christianity. I remember the first time I read it, read it I could only do like a chapter at a time. Uh-huh. In other words, I had to sit back and, and contemplate and reflect. And when I think about Lewis giving an invitation, one that the character of the book that I like is, is the sense that when we have conversations with people, um, we can only go so far, and then we have to allow – and create space for them to reflect in the process before we move on. And so much, so often in church, it feels like we start a conversation about faith, and we're at point A, and we, we're absolutely committed to getting to point D at this time, rather than saying, okay, we're going to get to point A sub one, <laughs> and now we just have to take a break because you need to process and take sure. time. And And I think that's part of the beauty of both the reading, and it would have been part of the beauty of um, the radio is that he would have laid out this material, and then there's space, right? To actually, process mm-hmm. it to think it through, um, rather than trying to. He's not trying to win an argument, yeah. all at one setting, all in one setting. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the the requirements of that kind of posture is actually a deeper faith, right, and confidence in what we believe. Like personally, right. yep. you know, like if you're trying to like convince someone really what that shows is this insecurity in what you believe because now you need them to believe it so that affirms what you believe right. and uh yeah so i and i think people maybe see through that too you know oh gosh yeah. yes so when it goes back to what you're saying in your own experience right of being in high school and i want to have things together and you go um where i love you know, a book like Mere Christianity is goes, yeah, it helps me continue to, yeah, it's saying what I believe. Right. I, like, but for me, when, when I have that and it's supported, that allows me actually the ability to better understand where others are coming from because I'm not working through my own stuff sure. while trying to listen to them. Right. So actually I can listen more clearly I because I'm, yeah, I feel good. And, and, and I can hear what you're saying and I can hear how it interacts 
with what I'm what I'm thinking and right sometimes people think the more you know what you know right the more closed-minded you'll become whereas I'd push back and say actually I think it allows you to be, have that firm base allows you to listen better if you will if you will let you know let yourself dive in if you're not feeling threatened <laughs> Right. Right. If you get rid of, oh, you know, that posture of attack, get right, be right, but uh, allows you to go, yeah, no, I'm confident. I'm, I'm confident like Lewis and in, in, in what I believe. Um, and that just gives me the ability to listen to what you have to say and see, do they, is what you're saying work? Um, how can I maybe help you as you process? Where might they be similar? Where might there be common right, ground? Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's just different words. You know, I mean, how many times does that happen, right? We're saying the same thing in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. Which kind of leads to kind of the last question, which I think we kind of, that I kind of had, we just went through a bunch of questions. But one of the things, (laughs) (laughs) without asking the questions. Great job asking questions, questions, Jamie. We went through through the the questions without asking the questions. But I was just going to say the last question was, how how do you think a modern version of this book would have been written? What would be different? What would remain the same? And I think we kind of got to it that maybe it wouldn't be a book at all. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, that was, that was that kind was of where our conversation. Yeah, so I just yeah. I just thought that was an interesting um, thing that we just kind of came to anyway. Maybe yeah. it'd be a podcast. Maybe sure called Fear and Trembling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, N.T. Wright. Um, Tom Wright wrote, I mean, he, he was after, um, sure. after Lewis, but they had interactions. Um, but when he wrote Simply Christian, that book was touted as sort of a modern mere Christianity. Yeah. Um, his approach was he approached different topics, things like beauty, for example, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then creation. And, right. right. So it, it spoke in a way, I think that met culture more where it was um right which brings on some of the he met culture where it was right in laying out here's christianity right because uh, i think Wright does very much the same thing as lewis that same posture i want to invite you to think about christianity but through these lenses and his is less of a i, I say a um a, a measured approach yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's more topical, more um, if you, yeah, beauty, art. Okay. Well, that would, that would yeah. be a conversation. Philosophy, thought. Okay. That'd be another part of the conversation. Um, so, you know, I think whether or not I'm, you know, saying we should read that book, uh, that could be at another time. But, uh, um, you know, I think part of what he gets at is we've got to think, um, more like what are what are the questions being asked in our culture would be the modern mere Christianity. You know, what would be so yeah. um would it be more like secul seculosity and how we yeah. read through something like that, yeah. you know, would it come in a in an approach that way? Um Yeah, I think for right now it it would look more like seculosity. I, I, think I was much, very yeah. taken with that. And it's how does this work for me? The yeah. for me reference point is going to be very American and very contemporary oh, sure. in ways that would have been different for. Yeah, Lewis. so uh, yeah, a couple of things. Sure. One, I think it'd be a podcast, but I also think it might be a docudrama. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and film. If you um, all want to see Darwin in a docudrama. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but the other thing, too, is, is um, I, I'm wondering if, if like, we appreciate what Lewis said, and, and Lewis is writing in a unique UK. I, yeah. I, I think there's some similarities between, say, culture in the UK in the United States, but I also think there's some dissimilarities as well. Yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. and and too often, I think we um, we gloss over the dissimilarities between the two. Because um, I think I think in some ways, all um, and seculosity um, is much more in tune with like North American culture yeah. than say NT writes simply Christian. Sure, which I think is sure. much more in tune with with. Um, UK and and Western mm. Europe European culture. Sure. So I, yeah, I, I, yeah. this yeah. is an observation. I'm probably wrong, and I'm going to get lots of emails telling me I'm wrong. But yeah. you know, from our thousands of <laughs> listeners, our thousands of <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I'll send you an email in five minutes. Don't <laughs> <Okay>. worry. <laughs> no, I mean I, that's it is interesting to to think about because we just because another country speaks English. Right. Doesn't mean we have the same culture, right? right. Like, right. It, it it is different in how we relate. I think one of the benefits of for C.S. Lewis, he's a novelist, right? Yeah, right. Yep. So he's that as well. Yeah. So, so to help you understand and to see things differently um, through word pictures, and yeah, I, so I yeah to bring art to bring uh, the arts into our theology, um, I think could be beneficial. Oh yeah. You know? The guy wrote for children. Come on, Lion, and Witch, and the Wardrobe made things understandable yeah, for children. Yeah, yeah, this is a great writer. So, yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. Well, JB, thanks for bringing us back to uh, mere Christianity. I know it was a for some of you, it was the seventies. For me, it was late nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah. with you. It was in the yeah, 90s. I, no no, no comment. No comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was sad to discover that I think my book, the physical book, was printed before several of my colleagues were born. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so again, we want to encourage you, um, if you've not read Mere Christianity, and and even if you're listening in and for whatever reason, you know, you're not where we are. You know, you're trying to think about faith and life and um, we'd invite you, like Lewis invites us, to think about your faith um, as he kind of maps it out. And just a reminder, he came from being an atheist. Um, so I think that was, an, again, another good reminder of just, yeah, he, he wasn't just this theologian writer. You know, like he his starting point was um, God didn't exist. Um, and then to be able to lay out. Uh, the truth about of, about God, uh, about yeah. Christ. So, and with a good background in world and comparative religions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he had a very broad um, yeah. kind of palette from which to paint. Yeah, he wasn't a slouch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis. Uh, this next month, uh, we're going to be looking at a book by Peter Enns. E N N S. Uh, the Bible tells me so. Why defending Scripture has made us unable to read it. So that'll be an interesting one to to dive into. The Bible tells me so. Why defending Scripture has made us unable to read it. Peter ends. 
I also want to point you to our website, www.fearandtremblingpodcast.com. That has uh, connections to former our our uh, former podcast. Former, that's kind of a weird the word. Previous, previous. previous. There we go. Previous. previous. Yeah, yeah, previous seasons. We're now in season two. Season we, two. We made crazy. It we got renewed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing how we can just renew ourselves. Yeah, really. <laughs> Nothing like a cup of coffee, right? <laughs> but uh, certainly want to invite you to continue the conversation. Start conversations with others um, as you dive in. But uh, again, I'm Aaron. I'm Bill. I'm JB. And I'm Darwin. And uh, God's peace to you today.